Woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Trip. On a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know you guys aren't privy to all the new so uh, you know that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning. Going over Slice and Jacks, I'm Tom Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures down 725. NASA Futures down 2850 after a... Pretty amazing turnaround rally, especially in the uh, NASDAQ yesterday. Stocks that were down in the morning, a lot of the chips, chip stocks and the stocks that we've been kind of loving to hate lately, like the Metas and the people of the world, all of a sudden turned around about noon, and the NASDAQ actually finished up pretty strong, even though the rest of the market kind of limped back to even. But Dow was down six-something and closed down only one-something, one so it was a pretty reasonable, at least a half a day. I'll call it a bear market rally. Do we have Kevin with us? Kevin, how are you? Good morning. I'm doing fine. Well, that's good. It's always good to be doing fine. You know, I'm just, just saying. Uh, well, yeah, but not dandy. I'm, I'm, I'm fine, but I'm not fine and dandy. So, slightly better than okay. Um, well, about three, three notches above okay. All right. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to work out a scale of, uh, of descriptors. Yeah, hey, uh, real, real quick, we have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about, including this Amazon probe and in Europe and all kinds of stuff, but uh, I just want to talk about where inflation can hit people and uh, I guess, I don't know if you want to call it a supply, whatever you want to, the uh, um, episode on uh, Saturday over at my significant other's place and the aftermath, <laughs> uh, let's just say there was a, somewhat of a disagreement about where I should put my my bag, right? That I, that I take for the weekend when I head south. Knowing Audrey, I, I can think of one place she probably told you to put them. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but of course, uh, you know, you, you hate hate to be hate to be right once in a while, especially when it causes some problems. So of course, it ends up on the ground. But I always try and keep it up somewhere. And one of the reasons why I do that is because I'm still on a couple of medications, and she has a very inquisitive poodle puppy. Sure enough, the poodle puppy gets into the medications, right? And I don't know how <laughs> the poodle puppy manages to do this, Kevin, but two of the jars both have pretty severe childproof locks or tops, and without ripping them open with her teeth, she managed to get both tops off. How the hell? They didn't make them dogproof. They only made them childproof. Well, one you have to push down and turn, like pretty hard. The other one you got to. You know, use your left thumb to pull the tab down while you unscrew it with your right hand. How the hell do you do that with your mouth? 
Anyway, she's, she's a pretty clever. I don't know player. what to tell you, Tom. Uh, it would have been great to have it on video. No kidding. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, Audrey's got a picture of some people that couldn't understand. So the, do- the dog got in and took the drugs? Uh, we think she might have taken a f- few of them. Not a whole lot, but enough. I mean, you know, Was she like staring at her paw for long periods of time? Well, I mean, barking, out the, barking out the puppy equivalent of, oh, wow. No, uh, I mean, you know, I don't think I don't think they tasted good. She might have had a, a few. So, of course, well, I says, we better take her to the emergency vet. And I go, all right, well. Uh, well, she calls. This is how the how inflation is, is coming right up everybody's behind. The uh, She calls the, uh, there's like a, a poison control center for pets. So she calls them. And uh, guess guess what happens there? Well, I was listening yesterday, so I don't have to guess. Oh, 95 they hours? Wanted to, they wanted to start running the meter. 95 bucks to talk to them. And then the, if, if I had a, if I could come back at age 30 and, and was like a vet, I would open one of these emergency vets. They're, they're backed up. You have to wait in the parking lot, for God's sake, Kevin. I mean, but how, how exactly does talking to somebody who probably is a public employee, maybe they're not, uh, how, how is that like a day's pay to talk to them for, for most of society? I mean, are we, we're really, really off the rails on this stuff, I think. I mean, and I, 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 mean, I, uh, I watch in horror at the thing in Highland Park, and I'll tell you what, if I'm, you, you wouldn't want me, I mean, I, you, you have a, a much more a processed view of the world than I do. I, I, I just want to know what the hell everybody's doing. I mean, if I was a, a governor who, you know, cared about the details, Every one of those groups of law enforcement people that showed up in Highland Park after this was over, after four hours after it was over, they're still. I want to know where they came from, what they do all day. Was it overtime? I, I don't. I have no idea. What they, I mean, the, the group of nine or ten people standing around and never moved the whole day, just texting people, standing in a big group. What are they doing, Kevin? I mean, where did they come from? If they, I could see it if they were doing a house-to-house search. They never did. They never talked about it. I, I, have, I have no idea who, who runs these things. Who's in charge? I mean, I would have to go over the, the entire process, starting from you know six o'clock in the morning, and how the hell somebody uh, managed to managed to sneak up a fire escape on a building. And it, I wonder how it all happened. I mean, am I, am I just am I just the the wacky son of a South Side cop or what? No, it's it, it's an interesting question. I would imagine that there were a lot of people who were off duty that got called on to duty. Um, I, I would imagine that they mobilized uh, police from all of the surrounding areas, plus state police, you know, Island Park police and state police, and and, and you you know you name it, probably Lake Buff, Bluff police and Lake Forest police and, and Deerfield police and so on. They they probably just mobilized everybody. How well you know the the interesting question on top of that. So so where where they all came from would be kind of interesting to know. The the real question is. How coordinated was the effort? Is this something that um, that they, you know, were executing a plan, or were they making it up as they went along? Well, and, and the nice thing, and, and that still can work out if you're making sure. it up as you go along. By the way, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, opening a line of criticism here. I, I'm just saying, uh, you know, it, it would be interesting to see how that works because those kinds of dynamics, um, you know, those situations find their. Uh, it, to, to you know, in much less severe cases, find their way into um, people's business on a regular basis when something fails, and you have to you know, you, it, it's got to become all hands on deck. Well, the, and I, I want to know 
what's what's the pecking order? I mean, and, and the good news is that the guy was caught by just a regular old Lake Forest policeman doing his job, which I my hats off to him and congratulations, my friend. Uh, uh, I mean, they're just a regular guy. They put out the APB or whatever it was, and sure enough, the guy gets him. And uh, but I, I, you know, as I drove home from the South Side uh, Sunday uh, Monday night, and I'm doing seventy something on the Ryan just to protect myself, there must have been fifteen cars that went by me, ninety or hundred, Kevin. There isn't a policeman to be seen. And I, I turn the TV in, and there's four hundred guys or hundred guys standing. I mean, obviously, it was, a, it was a massive, and there were a five-person shooting in Chicago, a four and two or three threes this weekend. Nobody's helping out there. I mean, what 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 is the coordination? You know, and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms comes goes wandering down there, and they, somebody had the most gorgeous new new toy truck I've ever seen. Uh, it was like some massive Brinks truck thing with God knows what on it, and all kinds of stuff, and. Uh, and you see the two guys that hopped on the side of the truck so they could pull pull a tape over the top of the thing. And I mean, we're, we're, nobody else gets any of this manpower. I mean, how could you not have the ATF guys on the south side where all the guns are? For God's sake! Well, yeah, I mean, and that would be an interest. That would be a uh, um, a Lori Lightfoot question and a question for your chief of police. Uh, is it is it that they won't go anywhere near it, or is it just that the people in Lake County? manage to uh you know coordinate better um and, and i again i don't know the answer but it would be sort of an interesting line of thought to pursue the reason why i i yes you know well i guess i'm curious by nature but uh i was at a uh our old clearing firm dear departed mesro well they're still there but they don't clear people anymore which is really unfortunate because they were a terrific clearing firm way better than the people we have now um but anyway, uh, the guy who ran the place unfortunately died young, terrific man, and they kind of got out of the clearing business after that. But before that, they invited m- me and my brother Dan out to uh, Washington to talk about our Protected Index program because they had a big meeting for all the people they cleared through. They wanted me to talk about how to protect people, people's portfolios with options and so forth. And obviously, in the last eight, nine months, it's been really spectacular anybody has been in the program. You know, instead of losing thirty percent, you're pretty much whole, and uh, you know, which is, I mean, it's terrific. So we went out and did this, and one of the guests was a. Uh, her last name was Bean. What was her first name? Uh, she was a rep from uh, the North Side up there, U.S. Rep. Congressman for woman for some very time. You know, uh, she ran her own business beforehand. I mean, I'm not saying she's a dumb dumb or not nice at all. I, I, that's that's not my that's my my point here, but. This is right in the 2007-2008 fiasco with all the banks kind of going under and stuff. And uh, and so uh, I, I never do this, Kevin. This is the one time I did. I actually asked two questions. I usually never ask a question. But the first one was I said, you know, I would, if I'm going to guess that if I were to quiz you, you would say you'd rather have more banks than less. And she says, well, absolutely. I said, well, during this crisis, every weekend you can't help but hear you know, the, the Kevin Bank of God knows where uh, was taken over by the, the Matt Byrne Bank. And oh, by the way, they had, uh, you know, four locations and 15 drive throughs and <clears throat> X number of deposits. And uh, the government, you know, took over the bad loans and, and gave the Matt Byrne Bank the rest for like, you know, 20 million bucks or something. We're getting bigger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Matt's getting bigger. And, I, and I'm sitting there going, 
I said, you, Matt. Yeah, and I said to her, every once in a while, I know people are getting more uh, argumentative in Washington, but is there a group of two or three people from your side of the aisle and the other side of the aisle that kind of goes and reviews these transactions? And she goes, like, why would we ever do that? I said, well, to be perfectly blunt, Congresswoman, the, the prices seem really, really light. <laughs> I mean, it seems like you're buying how many buildings or whatever for $10 million? But What are you doing? I said, I, I, how do I get it? Can I get a group together and lab my name in and say, I'll take those over for like 12. Here's my number. She goes, well, no, you, you can't do that. I said, well, why not? I, I said, is somebody sitting? I asked her, I said, is somebody sitting on somebody's lap? Is there a kickback? I mean, what's the, how does anybody, does these people have any sort of review whatsoever? And she absolutely thought I was from Mars, Kevin. Well, why would we do that? I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, I, I don't get it. Yeah. I, mean, I just, so every time you see this stuff, you just wonder, does anybody have a boss in the bureaucracy anymore? I mean, you, you, know, you saw it, uh, and, and I mean, as much as I was not a Trump fan, sometimes the guy got massive resistance by the bureaucracy. Well, who the hell are they? I mean, I, you know, a lot of stuff he wanted to do maybe was not the right, best idea, but I mean, I somehow along the line, do these people, do they... Do they listen to anybody? I mean, well, that, that was one of Trump's ongoing frustrations is, he, you know, he, he was used to being able to be the boss who always just dished out the orders and, and people followed them. And, uh, and, and whether, you know, whether we're talking, um, you know, legitimately, you know, that the rules say this has to go through Congress or, or whatever, um, you know, that, that frustrated the hell out of the man, which was, you know, kind of interesting, um, you know, or the court's good order or any of those. And because, uh, you know, he was used to saying, okay, we've decided, now go do. Um, and, and it didn't work that way for him. Um, so, you know, that, that was a, a, sort of an interesting uh, sidebar. Uh, you did notice, and, and I don't want to get too far away from Highland Park no. yet, but you did notice the uh, Supreme Court ruling about the EPA last week. And that was a major slapdown of this whole administrative state that um, uh, that is taking over. And the court basically said, "No, this is Congress's purview. You can't you can't say anything that is not specifically assigned to you as a uh, um, uh, uh, what, what I want to say uh, assigned to you in in the legislation." Um, you can't just assume the authority and say, well, you know, this didn't exist at the time of the legislation, so we're going to just take up the mantle. They can't, you know, they're not allowed to do that. And uh, They're going to do it anyway. It's kind of an interesting ruling because we've talked so many times about how, um, you know, how Congress has ceded power to, uh, to the executive branch, and this one said, no, you can't do that. This is Congress's purview. You have to uh, you have to take something back to Congress if you want more authority. I think they're very good in the uh, what's the old adage? It's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Forgiveness than permission. Yeah. Well, I, I, I will. Well, but but even even more than that, it was like you know, uh, um, and, and Trump did a lot with executive orders. Uh, Biden's done a lot with executive orders. Um, uh, President Obama was, you know, famously said, "I have a a, a pen and a phone, um, and, and I'm just going to do stuff if Congress won't." And the answer is no. If Congress won't, that's then you're you're SOL, and, and and that's probably as it should be. And you know, what's your solution? Well, your solution is to find legislation that has 
common ground that has things that people can either support or at least accept um, and take it forward. Um, and and that you know that was sort of the intention of of how the uh, you know how the, um, the uh, government was framed in the first place. Well, I, I would tell you that, that if somehow I don't know a case would get there, but this Supreme Court for sure. I don't know about another one. Uh, the stuff that's going on in the securities and the banking industry, where basically law enforcement has shoved the law enforcement responsibility onto the industry and if you don't do it that's why the bigger firms keep getting one of the reasons the bigger firms keep getting bigger and bigger I mean and if I mean it's it's our responsibility to check like Interpol and everything for anybody all kinds of stuff why, why, why is that our job Kevin I mean somebody opens up an account what's the big deal well uh, and for you it's an unfunded mandate yeah so you have to do it but no nobody's giving you the money to it you well there, there was a famous one of the uh, the schmucks this, I don't know what, what news group this came out of. And I'm no big fan, but I think it was, was it HBC? It was one of those banks that I'm not a, all that happy with in the first place. But they were talking about how they had, they were they were the favorite place for money launderers because uh, they had, they had uh, filled out all these reports of, of cash transactions. What is it, 11000 bucks over 11000 bucks or whatever. And... Uh, I'm sitting there going, wait, 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 I read the article again, and I, and I say, you know what, they, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. Somebody came in with, you know, 15 grand in cash or left with 15 grand. They fill out the report, and they submitted it. The fact that they submitted it too didn't do a goddamn thing. Now, because there's some number of those reports, now they're guilty of something. But I, 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 had real, I had a real problem with that logic someplace. Um, but well, you've got a real problem with most government logic. Yeah, so. I mean, uh, but I mean, this whole idea that we're not going to do our job, it's up to you. I mean, the idea that on a, in a 4th of July, uh, you know, open road mandate on the Dan Ryan, that there isn't a policeman to be found and not one person pulled over and everybody's going 100 miles an hour. I mean, Kevin, if we had a, over 100 miles an hour, we, we uh, you know, sequester your car for a month, we could take we could take 500 people off the road in three nights. And the world would be a better place, in my opinion. We we can't we wonder why there's a problem. I mean, I, the, the, we're, we're, and, and you know you you mentioned yesterday, I mean, I don't know that much about this kid they arrested other than he's the weirdest looking thing I've ever seen. Is he? he looks like a tr- well whatever. No point in talking about how somebody looks. But have you watched any of his rap videos? Uh, no. But all these yeah. people seem to be known by somebody as being way the hell out there. How how? Somehow we we talked about the guns and stuff. Wouldn't you think that if you had a list of people you were really, really concerned about in this world of every communication where they can, they know, you know, your every every size of every appendage in your body, that somehow or another, if you have five people in Highland Park where you're really worried about these kids from high school on down, that the day they try and buy a gun, you, you're notified or something. So yeah, I, even if it's just notification, yeah. you know, you may not have grounds uh, to. Um, now you know these are these are all slippery slope items about you know what what the surveillance state should or shouldn't be, um, but known to police uh, has has become you know like an assumption anymore on on many of these shooters, not something that's uh, that's news or an anomaly. Um, they're all on the radar of the police, and you know there's there's a couple other common denominators. They tend to be um, young men. Um, they they they're they're is a high degree of people
people taking psychotro- psychotropic drugs um, for depression, for you know uh, various maladies, and uh, and uh, and and yet, uh, as these drugs have emerged and uh, become more and more uh, uh, used, and I mean the usage numbers are, are way up on them. Yet we still have more suicides, more shootings more depression, all of those kinds of things. Um, so, and, you know, so, gee, yet another Pfizer drug doesn't work as advertised, and yet we're pushing it all over the place. Um, you know, are we numbing people out? Are we, are, you know, are we making the problem worse with some of these medications? Uh, you know, I, and, and, I, and I don't know the answer to any of that. I think that, you know, those are the questions we need to be asking. I think I know, uh, I actually have somewhat of an answer to that one, Kevin. Not not because of uh, me knowing any of this stuff, but I actually won. We had we had one story on the show. This was maybe two years ago, and I figured I'll, I'll pester our buddy Doctor Blade, and uh, he was nice enough to put up with me for like an hour on a Sunday morning. And I said, you know, Mark, what what is the deal with all this stuff? And he says, you know, these drugs are, are like the the uh, Adderall and the Ritalin and those things. He goes, they're they're actually almost miracle drugs. He said, but the problem is, if you have that sort of a slight chemical imbalance which causes these things in a lot of kids or even in some people, he said, if, if your therapist works really closely with you and you, t- and you have the full tests and all the other stuff, he goes, it's a real lot of work. For the people who really need it, he goes, they are, you know, they're, they're, they're the silver bullet. He goes, however, they don't work anywhere near the same for anybody who doesn't, quote, I mean, if, if, if it's trying to erase a chemical imbalance and you don't have the chemical imbalance obviously it's going to work on you in a different way right it's, it makes you high or whatever he said it's you've got to be very very careful he goes nobody wants to do the work the follow-up uh and see people because you don't get paid that way anymore it's 15 minute discussion with the kids the parents and the kid and and of course the the parents come in from the school and the school's complaint is uh, you know the kid's got as we used to say ants in his pants wants to get up all the time wandering well it's Guess what? That happens with 10-year-olds. I mean, it's just the way the world is, like the poodle, for God's sake. Anything that's young has to move around a little bit. They don't have recess. They don't have stuff like, you know. But the point is, because if it gets in the wrong hands, it's actually very dangerous. So it really is incumbent on people, whoever the person is, not just some school psychologist, not that they're all bad or anything like that. Oh, this kid is, uh, you know, he, he's, a, he's nervous, he, whatever. He's, he's a fidgety in class. Let's drug him. Because you can't do that. Or you end up with what you got now. Yeah, and I, I think that's, you know, that's that's contributory to the uh, situation. Um, I, I also, you know, it, it's it's contributory that, you know, it's that we have it as, as we know, as we know about the pharmaceutical companies, they push hard on their, uh, you know, on selling their stuff. Um, you know, Pfizer markets, uh, uh, Pfizer spends more on marketing than it does on R and D. Without a doubt, without a doubt, and 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 who's going to report this kind of stuff? Well, where does their marketing dollars go into media? So now, media, you're going to report on your big advertiser very often, you know, and how you know how in detail are you going to get there? Um, you know, I think there's kind of a little corrupt little uh, arrangement there. So I, you know, we we have I, this. This is a topic that deserves more research. Um, I don't have any definitive answers on it. I just know uh, that I have a lot of questions about it, and I think that comes into play as well. 
Um, but ultimately, um, you know, is is it is it the weapon? I mean, it, you know, Brendan mentioned yesterday that you had all these cops and the guy shot anyway. But he also mentioned in the um, the, the Texas shooting, you know, it was the same thing. Uh, having all those armed people around couldn't stop them. Well, yeah, they're not going to stop them if they won't go in, and they wouldn't go in. Right. So, you know, in in some of these cases, you know, I, I keep going back to this thought where the government either can't or won't, and, and as you said, with the 100-mile-an-hour chases and everything else that's going on in Chicago, they won't. If they won't protect me, then the solution isn't for them to disarm me, too. Oh, that's, that's, I mean, you can't coach fear. I mean, you, you know, you can't coach fear. we got to go to break here, Kevin, come back. we got a bunch of stuff. Plus, Amazon says it will work closely with the regulators in Europe about their antitrust stuff. You think they really want to work closely with them, Kevin? I'm thinking. Um, yeah, it's called cash. Yeah, SP Futures down 9, NASDAQ Futures down 36. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. 
But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Anybody tells you money's the root of all evil doesn't f***ing have any. They say money can't buy happiness. Look at the f***ing smile on my face. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Yeah, look at this smile on my face. Just saying. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> Hello, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tomorrow Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures down 950. NASDAQ Futures down 36. Giving back a little of what we popped up on yesterday, especially in the NASDAQ. Uh, here, our European guys seem to work a little harder on this, Kevin. Microsoft, $69 billion Activision takeover faces competition probe in the UK. No problemo here. I'm thinking if I'm president Microsoft, you're big enough, all these guys. No, none of this stuff. And here we have a... Uh, Here's a guy who must never have had a client in his friggin' life. I can't imagine me saying something like this. Kramer says investors shouldn't fear market declines and instead look for buying opportunities. So let's say you got a retired person. First of all, you tell them you can't be in anything, you know, cash because cash doesn't pay anything. So if they've got a million and a half bucks they've saved their whole life for, and that's their entire retirement, don't worry about it if it's down 30%. Why, why, why should you fear something like that? What is the matter with these people? Just, just saying. Dow Futures down <coughs> 44 we're over in Europe. We've got uh, DAX up 188, 1.5%. These guys were down yesterday. FTSE up 129, 1.8%. So they're having the big bounce here today. Kakaron up 89, 1.6%. So they're up sort of what they were down yesterday. Bonds, now here's the story. The story here is going to be oil and bonds. Bonds down to 2.80, uh, which is a low from they got up to almost 4. Uh, Bun minus or positive point 1.15, they were at 1.68. Japan, same spot, 0.25. We're in Asia. We've got the Nikkei down 315, that's 1.2%. Shanghai down 48, 1.4%. Hang Seng down 266, 1.2%. They got more and more COVID concerns. Uh, boy, they, they still got, I don't know if they have the vaccines or what they don't have, but they're having problems. Yesterday, Dow Jones was down 129, but it was down 600. SP was up 6, it was down probably close to 40. NASDAQ up 194, that's at least a 400 point turnaround, but it's got to be down over 200. Uh, oil. This was a big story yesterday. It's back. It's crept back over 100 hours here. 100 hours and 23 cents. But it was below 100. It was a 120 something like three, four weeks ago. Ran up a dollar 47, 104.24. Natural gas up 14 cents, 567. Still under six bucks after being over nine. So massive, massive swings in these things. Our Bob 335. It's up two cents. So if my guys are still charging me 573, I want to know why. There's no way that spread should be 270. But right now it is gold. Down 390, 17.60. Gold's going to the toilet too. Silver up two cents, 19.14. Copper up a penny, 3.40. And we've got Bitcoin down 2.47, but still managing to hang in there. 20,000.084 is another one of these companies I heard this morning has declared bankruptcy. But uh, Bitcoin is the the soldier that's hanging in there at 20,000. As long as they do, you know, this stuff will probably survive. But some of these other ones are down pretty low. 
Now, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Hey, good morning. It's currently 6.36 a.m. on Wednesday, July 6, 2022. Uh, in sports yesterday, uh, Cubs away in Milwaukee uh, lose to Brewers, though, 8-11. Uh, White Sox back at home against Twins. They lose as well, 8-2. Not a good uh, baseball time for Chicago. Uh, however, uh, Arizona, different story. Diamondbacks against the Giants. Diamondbacks wins, 6-2-2. Uh, now for weather in Chicago, as you can, uh, if you just take a look out the window, you can see that it's very wet, very rainy, uh, very wet roads. So keep that in mind. Uh, later on the day, expect some thunderstorms in the area as well as tonight. Uh, currently 70 degrees, a high of 82, and a low of 70s. We're at our lowest. Uh, in Phoenix, clear skies, 83 degrees, a high of 106 degrees, and a low of 81. Now for traffic in Chicago. Heavy traffic eastbound in the Kennedy between Cumberland Avenue and West Fullerton Avenue. That's caused by an accident, a semi-rollover closing the express lanes at the junction. Uh, but uh, people who do want to get on express lanes can do so at diversity, so just hang in there a little longer. Uh, traffic westbound in the Dan Ryan between West Garfield Boulevard and Jane, Bo uh, Jane Byrne Interchange. Uh, as well as that, traffic northbound in the Stevenson between Route 171 between uh, uh, South Pulaski Road. That's all we got, Chief. Back to you. You got the uh, Cubs losing when they actually did win. Is that right? Let me. Check they won eight to three. Because I watched it. Oh, you're right. I say uh, I couldn't be. I couldn't be the nip. See now. I got to get my glasses checked. Yeah, eight to three is one of their best games of the year, for God's sake. Oh, even man. with Hendricks going out early. So what? They've had two starting the pitchers. Cubs have actually been playing pretty good baseball lately. Yeah. Who are they? Uh, who are they Mon showcasing? Monday's, uh, Monday's not uh, meltdown, notwithstanding. You know, this uh, this guy who's been playing uh, catcher who actually just uh, made his 10 years in the major league, major leagues, he is a real serious fundamental catcher. Uh, oh, Jan Gomes? Yeah, yeah, he's been around forever. He is a good catcher. Um, but he's throwing some people out that, uh, you know, he's, he's been right on the ball. <laughs> well, it's really worked well with uh, uh, him splitting time with Contreras and Contreras getting to uh, DH a lot, so... Saves the wear and tear on both of them um, in, in a very demanding position, and uh, it seems to show up in at least in Contreras's hitting, uh, being a little more consistent. Yeah, I, uh, well, I mean that's a that's a tough spot. I mean, you see guys like uh, um, Yogi Berra in those years, how they I would catch you know 120 games and and still hit. But when, when, when you're Yogi, had how many at bats? He only had 27 strikeouts or something. I mean, you got to wonder how. Oh, yeah. Well, there were, God, who, who was the guy um, in, in this year's, uh, I just saw the stat recently, um, but somebody um, uh, somebody has struck out like 36 times uh, in, in the last month, and, and Tony Gwynn struck out, you know, like 27 times in his last three years. Yeah, yeah. What, um, you know, it, it is, it is really, uh, when you start to compare back and forth, I mean, a lot of it has to do with... Uh, you know how, how you how you bat in a third strike, but some people just they just weren't always you know swinging for the fence. I mean, it's but they want you know they want people to do that, and uh, in, the, in these days, I'm not sure why. Well, the I, I think they undervalue extra base hits. You know that that uh, everybody wants home runs, which are great. You know who doesn't love a home run? But uh, but you know doubles are a good thing too. <laughs> Uh, they're a good way. They're a good way to score a lot of runs. So uh, you know, I, I think um, you know. To me, the best the best hitters are the ones who are going to lead the league in doubles. Um, yeah, well, Mike, Mark Grace, and those guys. Uh, Mattingly, they were always big on that stuff. I mean, I mean, I just. I mean, I, I'm 
as you know, Kevin, well, you know, you do the same. It's it's my favorite game. Always has been. Although I played probably more basketball than I played softball because I used to play every day, you know. But uh, I, I don't I don't I don't understand how there there's a uh, shall we say there's a there's a there's a stress in the game. Well, as you go to this max effort stuff, I mean the, the, the pitch the time between pitches is essentially doubled. And if if you if you you know, whatever you want to hit your pause, I won't say tape anymore, I'm showing my age. If you hit the pause on your uh, whatever your fancy machine is, even I have one, for a half hour and you come back and you and you uh, watch the Bears say. I mean if you, you can if you come back at the end of the first quarter and buzz through the commercials, you can catch the game by halftime. All the delays are in the enforced delays by commercials and things like that. Replays, all that stuff. And same thing in basketball. By far in basketball. In baseball, you can't do that. The delay is, is in the game itself. It's between pitches. When you're, when you're throwing 220 pitches a game and you go from an average of, I'll say, 17 seconds between pitches to 27, you've, you've just annihilated your game, in my opinion. And that's what they've done. And it, and yeah, well, I, I think the pitch clock is out there and, and has a serious chance of happening, and that will change the nature of pitching to resemble more what it used to be. Uh, it'll all, but um, yeah, I, I think you're right. It's such a joy when you do get a fast worker um, on the mound. Uh, it's it's it makes for a much better, much much better game to watch. Well, I, I, but I, I, the problem is, is that you can see. I mean, I, I, I was actually uh, much as I enjoyed watching it. I was pretty much, I'll say, sickened to see in the College World Series. I watched probably seven of those games. It's the same thing now. Every pitcher is trying to throw every pitch as hard as he can, and there's no question that if, if I'm doing that, I want to wait 30 seconds between pitches and that 12. There's no doubt that if I'm throwing seven fastballs as fast as I can in a row, if I if I can wait 30 seconds between pitches, I'm be more effective and less worn out than if I do it every 12 or 15 seconds like the guys used to. You, yep. you, you cannot you, Why you, you can't argue with your that. max effort. Uh, your your pitchers like Kyle Hendricks are not max effort pitchers. Right. Uh, so they can work fast. Well, Fergie on a normal batter was not max effort. So neither was Bob Gibson. They were 85% effort. If, if they really had to bear down on somebody, they'd, they had another three or four miles an hour in a tank. Yeah, every single pitch these guys throw as hard as they can throw it, it seems to me. Which is which is different. I mean, you, you have to rest between those pitches, right? Yeah. And I don't blame them for, you know, that, that's just the way they're playing the game nowadays. But it, uh, one slight rule change of uh, a pitch clock may change the uh, um, the game substantially. Well, now the question is, if you go down to, let's say you do something uh, crazy and went to 20 seconds, and they're still trying to be max effort, does that mean the entire relief staff is on I, the IL after a week? Or it means every day is a bullpen day. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I, I'm kind of surprised that the, uh, well, I, I, we always talk a little about the Cubs. Are you surprised the White Sox are falling apart like this? Not falling apart. They just can't seem to get over the top. They make one screw-up play like every night that seems to cost them. I, I don't, where's that coming from? I, I think that's it. They're they're just a very they're they're just not a smart baseball team at all. And um, and they they I I can you know I can rattle off three games off the top of my head that they've given away. Give get get those three games back, and they're right near first place. Um, and and I'm sure there are more because I don't watch them all the time. 
Well, the uh, the triple play was bizarre. Team. They play they play bad baseball. Um, did you see the triple play? Yeah. Have you ever seen anything like that? Uh, I I can't say I have, um, and uh, you know I I sort of the the one I don't get is um, oh the the right fielder what's the guy's name um, the runner on second um, you know Mankata was on first and he was running full speed and he must have thought the ball was down that it didn't get caught um, you, you know that's a mistake that's a misread that's a whatever. Um, but the uh, the other runner, Engel, on second, he went back to second to tag up and stopped about a foot away and turned around. That's uh, that's crazy. Uh, you know, maybe because he saw um, Mankata coming and thought that, oh, the ball must be down, I better go. But, you know, he, he actually went back and then failed to tag up. For those of you who were talking about this play, it's the first time anybody seems to recall it happening and. In baseball history, it was an eight, which is your center fielder. Left fielder, seven, eight, center fielder, nine, right. Eight, five, who's your third base, was an eight, five triple play. So what happened was the ball gets bracketed out the right center. It's been a first and second. The center fielder for Minnesota is probably, the I'm going to say, the best center fielder in the game now. I mean, defensively. Uh, he's, he's, he's damn yep, close. He's real good. So he races back all the way to the wall, does one of these kind of Willie Mays things up against the wall. But the ball... Was not he didn't know I got to jump up over the over the fence or anything. It was there. It was catchable. And the guy catches it maybe two feet sh- short of where it would have hit the wall. And the the, the Sox runners mysteriously are, are are all gone. The guy turns around and because there was a shift on of some kind, the the third baseman is the guy covering second. He he, he gets the ball. He tags the one guy who was the first base runner who's now way past second. He tags him and it goes over and tags second base. Just keeps trotting in that direction and goes right to uh, uh, right to second base and steps on that and triple play. But I, but if you're on second, I don't see how you don't tag up because even even if the guy drops it way the hell out there, you're still going to score if you tag. That's right, and that's that's where you say dumb baseball team. It's one thing to misread it. But the other is to say what what's you know what's the right thing to do in that situation, and it's to be tagged all the way. Yeah. Um, and you know, and we've seen so many instances of that. I mean, when I say I can cite three games, all of them are base running. All of them are base running, or picked and, off first, uh, and, or something. And, and that you know, well, base running sure. is a uh, baseball in general. It's it's always thinking about what am I going to do if. And, and running these through your mind nonstop. Smart teams do that all the time. Um, and, and they talk a lot to each other. And, you know, there, there's all these things going on. And I don't see any evidence of that with the White Sox. I just think they're, they're just, they're a dumb baseball team. Well, I think, you know, they may be all smart guys in real life, but they're, they're well, you walk, you walk between the, uh, um, the, uh, the lines on the, on the field and the IQs drop about 35 points. Well, I, when this when, uh, was like, what, three years ago now at least, the Cubs, how many people they get hurt at like second base or something? And they brought this kid Horner up. Was he like 18 or 19? He was from Double A. And you could see... Nico Horner? No, he was a college player. Okay, but he was he was way before they thought they were going to bring him up. They had to bring him up, right? For oh, the, yeah, yeah. He was and, uh, ahead of his time. Well, you could just you, could, you watch the kid play for two or three games and you go, I don't know how good this kid's going to be as a hitter. 
but he knows just out of position himself. He, he never makes a mistake on the bases. Whoever his coaching, whoever his was in Pee Wee League up, this kid knows how to play baseball. It was obvious after the first three games, at least it was to me. Now, I don't really approve of him being shortstop because I think he would be an elite second baseman for 15 years. As a shortstop, he's he's a 5 or 6 on a scale of 1 to 10, I think. Am I totally wrong here? Or he what? will get the opportunity to make the move. Well, but I mean, do you think, is my read the same as yours or no? Uh, don't know. I, I think he's. I think he's a solid shortstop. Like, you know, might he be better in another position? I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, see more. The, the, I think the team would be stronger if that other kid they have, who's the de- defensive phenom at short, but can't really hit. If he could hit at all, they'd be better off oh, with uh, Simmons. Yeah, yeah, if they'd be better off with him playing. But he's a kid. He's a, he's a veteran. Yeah, but but they. They keep thinking they need a spot for this magical guy, and I, and I don't know if you need to do that at this point. Well, I, I don't know if they need to do that either, but they need to find out if Madrigal is going to be a, a part of their future or not. Well, how can you do that? He's always hurt. Yeah, well, he is always hurt, and that's a problem. Um, and, and but nevertheless, they you know they they made the deal for him last year, and uh, you know I know Cody Hoyer's been injured uh, uh, all year too, so. But they, they they need to find that out, you know, either that or they're going to have to go, you know, go to other plans. So they have to see if that's a reasonable plan or not. Well, what do you what do you do with guys like they're, uh, they're rebuilding? They have to they have to take young players and see if they're you know who's going to be part of this. If if the team gets good in two years or three years, who's going to be part of it and who's not? You, and and are there parts who who you don't see as being part of it, but that if you can get them some playing time, they might have value on the uh, trade market. Uh, it's hard. It's hard for me to to go through a rebuilding team with an owner that rich and paying that much for tickets for inevitably. You know, I don't. I don't know. I mean, but if I if you put yourself in that spot, what, what do you do with guys like like David Bodie? What do you do with the kid, the uh, Ortega? I mean, you. I would say a team looking for a corner outfielder. But if they get rid of Hap and they get rid of Contreras and Hendricks, what what have you gained? With his rebuilding, I mean, you can go through yeah, a year or in, two. In my world, I'd, I'd hang on to Contreras. I, I, I'd, I'd want to sign him. I, um, I like him as a ball player. I think he's smart. And and we talked about base running. I think he's one of the best base runners in in Major League Baseball. And, you know, he's he just he never fails to grab a base when it's there. Um, and 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 yet he's not reckless. Um, so uh, so yeah, I, he, he's a guy I'd want. Uh, for the future, and as as you go through, they're probably you know he Horner Hap can stay you know as far as I'm concerned Hap's you know he's he's a good enough ball player uh, he could be he could be part of it he want, he's not going to be a front line part of it he's not going to be like the linchpin player of the Cubs success but you know you you need guys who are your seventh best players and your eighth best players as well. Um, but the, you know, I, you start running out of players at that point. That I'm going to say, oh, this this guy should be uh, part of their rebuild. What do you think of uh, this uh, tall uh, African American kid who hit his first home run the other night? They they claim he was the, the big star in the fall league in Arizona. Said he's he was just tearing up AAA. What's his name? Haven't seen him, and you, and and I, I will tell you what. What I need to do is I need to start going out to see the South Bend Cubs more often. Because they're most of their best prospects, most of their highest rated prospects, are at that level right well, now. This kid looks like he's going to be real good. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I do have a, a friend who's you know regularly goes to those games, and he thinks so too. 
Well, the uh, for those that don't know, the yeah, Arizona Fall League. Uh, uh, Velasquez is going to be a really good player too. If ever it's it's on it's on my bucket list for sure. Maybe this will be the year I get to do it. Uh, you know, I'm not even sure they had it. They must have had it last year. Like last, they didn't tell you they were going to have it until real late. But for those that don't know, there every, every how many teams are there in baseball? Whatever many there are. Don't ask me. Every team gets to put. There's like there's like eight teams in the uh, fall league, right, Kevin? And uh, and every team gets to put. Uh, Was it six six guys on uh, on one of the eight teams? Six of your youngest players, and they play all the other best young players for like four weeks in the in the fall, and they end like maybe the weekend before Thanksgiving. And if and if you do it right, you can fly out to Sky or Phoenix. And there's they do it in such a way where every, if you really want to, I think there's always a day off on Monday. But you you can go if, if you landed like on a Thursday, eleven o'clock. If you got out of Dodge early, you could see an afternoon game and an evening game, like Thursday and Friday, and maybe an uh, afternoon game on Saturday. And you'd see all the teams. You'd, see, you'd basically see everybody's top prospects. Well, not the pitchers; they're not all pitching, but you could see everybody's top prospects in like two and a half days if you wanted to. If you can sit through baseball. Like that, which Kevin and I certainly can. <laughs> we love it. Which I can, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you I mean you can essentially sit there and see everybody's guys. And evidently, this this kid on the Cubs, you know, just ripped it up last year. He was like the MVP or something. Um, so that that's nice to have. I mean, uh, where do you put a where do you put a w- wisdom? I think he's inching his way up. Uh, yeah, you know what? You're not screwed if he's your third baseman for a while. Um, he's you know he's older, so he's he's not going to play forever. Um, you'd like to think you could do better for your, with your corner infielders, but uh, um, but if you have Patrick Wisdom as, as your third baseman, he's really solid in the field, and um, and he's going to hit for power, if not for uh, average and on base. So but he's, he's going to end uh, up wisdom, with you know Wisdom. Wisdom can stick around, but uh, again, he's not going to be linchpin. You know, so, and so now you start saying to yourself, okay, uh, you know these these are guys that can be you know can be starters on a good team. Um, but how many of them do you want to be starters on a good team? Well, you know, let me ask you this, though. How many of them, if they're starters, are going to give you a good team? And that becomes part of the conversation as well, that, you know, you, you, you've got to have some stars. You have to have some guys who are just really great players. Okay, but how do you uh, determine, I mean, a lot of this maybe doesn't happen at the minor league level like maybe it should. I mean, Ian Happ, I've known about that guy. Our friend Jessica, who was a producer, what, five years ago, um, one of her girlfriends, when he first came up as a rookie, they were dating. <laughs> so I knew all about Ian Happ. No, no, nothing bad. Nothing bad about the guy at all. Uh, matter of fact, he's supposed to be a really good guy. Uh, he Every year, it looked to me like, what, what are they sticking with this guy for? And all of a sudden, you look at his stats this year versus this last, from the second half of last year till now, versus his previous three years. His his strikeouts are down. His... his uh, Swing, the swings like outside the strike zone are down dramatically, and and is making contact with a ball in the strike zone is up huge. I mean, I don't I don't know if they got better coaching at their at their facility in, in Mesa, whatever it is, or whether these guys are just working on something different. I'm starting to see this with like this Patrick Wisdom. I mean, the guy's he reminds me of uh, who's the big the big black guy in Major League, Zabrano or Zabrano? What was his name? Oh, Serrano. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh. The all strong guy. guy, yeah, big strong guy. I mean, it, you know, all of a sudden well, it seems no, like he's, he's the guy who does the Allstate commercials, Dennis Haysburg. Yeah, well, but now, but now you can just see the last month or two, he's still kind of a wild swinger. But every every month it seems like 
he's going to right field just a little bit. There, there's, you can see the dudes working on the stuff. I mean, how do you how do you know what the top is? I mean, the guy was number one draft pick. I mean, how, how do you know what the top is on somebody when you know now with the way you know people are in pretty good shape when they're 35, 36? I mean, Jim Hickman had his best years when he was in his early 30s, right? Way back in the day. But how do you know when these guys are just incrementally, incrementally figured out, and all of a sudden you got a pretty good ball player in your hands? I guess yeah, can you some tell guys me? take time to figure it out. Some guys, uh, uh, you know, uh, some guys come up as phenoms, and then they have a, a section in the middle of their career that where they have to, you know, re- refigure it because uh, you know raw ability isn't uh, isn't carrying them anymore. Um, so yeah, it, it varies from one to next. But th- this is, you know, Steve Stone used to talk about this all the time. I don't know if he still does, but the most important, uh, the most important team you have to scout is yourself. And how do you do? And is, is it is it mental when you see people, you know, working on just the right thing? You want them to work with, on it and and hang and, and actually hanging with the coach and seeing improvement, uh, things like that. I mean, how you, I, don't, I don't know how you. It's hard to do that. Well, Billy Bean, you know, I don't think this really came out in uh, in the movie, but in in the book uh, Moneyball, he talked a lot about uh, how how most players, by the time they're twenty twenty one, that's the player you're going to get. Um, guys, guys who have played discipline have it at that age, or they don't, and they're never and and they they're never or hardly ever going to acquire it. Um, so. You know, I, I think there's there's just a certain inclination that is built into some players and not others. Um, you know, and and I don't know what to tell you. You'd, I'd like to think that uh, that most professional athletes are smart enough to adapt and stay adapted, but I see too many cases of it where they never do. Well, Javi Baez to me was one of the most exciting ball players, and if the guy would have learned just a little, and not just where things have to be strikes, because Manny Sanguian uh, was a, was a notorious bad ball hitter. You have to you have to you have to decide what you can hit and what you can't, and that's swing at the stuff that you can't. I mean, Ted Williams used to what he had all the different squares in the strike zone. If I if I swing the balls here, I'm hitting 350. If it's here, it's 320. Here, 280. Here, 175. I mean, you you would think at least you'd you'd, you'd get the idea. I mean, in softball, I didn't always swing at strikes, but I, I when I was when I was decent, uh, it was a few years ago. I was a pretty good hitter. But I knew the pitch I could take the right field. I knew the pitch I could take the left field. And it, it, all, it was virtually all pitch selection. And knowing what you can take, what plays. I knew I wasn't as strong as some of these other guys that just hit it anywhere over people's heads. But it's knowing yourself. And, know, and I wonder, how, how does a guy like Javi Baez, when your whole career, now he's making a bunch of money, I'm not saying he's screwing it up, but, but uh, I mean, how, how, when you, how do you not want to be? That guy but, but been, he could be closer to being Juan Soto than, than the current version of Javier Baez. With a little, with some plate discipline, I'm, I'm not saying he would be that good because Juan Soto is one of the best young ball players I've seen. But, uh, but you know, Bias has has the has ability closer to that, yeah, than, than uh, the accomplishment that he has shown. And you know, my my adaptation is it uh, uh, of the Ted Williams way of thinking is that my strike zone is oh just this little box in the middle of the strike zone on the first pitch. And then it's going to expand or contract based on you know whether it was, whether I have uh, strike one or ball one, um, and it, you know it's it, it is always about you know get get a great pitch to hit and you know Ted Williams had that sweet spot right in the middle where he said I'll hit 400 if I have to if I go uh, swing at nothing but pitches in this spot. 
Well, yeah, Kevin, take care of yourself. Talking to you on Friday. SP Futures down 13. As if he's down 54. Be like that. Be right back. Professor Russell Rhodes. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708 403 2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708 349 3456 that's 708-349-3456 or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com that's myhomesourcerealty.com Did you need a lot of paint chips when you were a kid? Stocks and jocks Stocks and jocks Stocks and jocks You are out of control Right here Right now Right here Right now Well, we're back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Mr. Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures down on 18. NZF Futures down 73. We were down way heavier than this yesterday morning, and then we were down heavier during the morning, and we turned flying all the way back around. A, a stock like NVIDIA was down 3.5 and finished up almost 4. It was pretty strange. Lululemon was up like 20 bucks. I guess we're being saved by, uh, by yoga pants. Uh, I guess that's the saving grace. Russell, how are you, bud? I'm doing quite well. You know, Tesla had an interesting reversal yesterday as well. Every one of those Tesla stocks, though. Meta, everything. They were, uh, they did. Um, uh, Meta, I'll call it Facebook, Lululemon, Nvidia, uh, virtually all of them. The old, the old fangs and the stuff around them, all turned around. And uh, but the weird part was it, the S, the SPY and the Dow was reluctant, but the Nasdaq had what a 400 point swing. It was down over 200, wasn't it? Finished up 170. Yeah. 
pretty yeah, good it was, uh, it, it, I was kind of half watching, and it really did look like it was the, the NASDAQ that turned itself around. Uh, and that's the thing that's underperformed, so who knows? Maybe that, that's the big bottom. Uh, well, what do you mean? We've had these. I'm, I'm going to call the bottom every week till I'm dead on, and then I'm going to make my career on saying I called the bottom. You're going to be the, the Elaine Gazzarelli of this era? Elaine, or, um, yeah, they're, they're, you can come up with a few people like that. But I always figured, if you, unfortunately, everybody, the, the, you can't really get away with that one in this day and age because if you call for the bottom, you know, every week on Twitter or whatever, people record it, and then they call you out on it when you, you claim to have called it. Um, i got to come up with a new scam. Help me. Um, scams are tough because most of them have been invented know, before. These it's, it's unfair. The cameras everywhere. Well, they're like a new, they're yeah. like a new, they're like a new fetish. They've all been tried before. Mm-hmm. But that's a, true. Um, I don't know. Let's make up like uh, let's make up our own currency that you can that, that's electronic and it's it. How about that? Yeah, but, yeah, we'd be the first to do that. <laughs> ah, yeah. The uh, hey, what do you make? All kinds of stuff in the news. Uh, I don't know if you heard the heard, heard the commentary yesterday that these commodity prices are are really cratering pretty much all over the place. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the yields, the Treasury yields are are cratering. I'm thinking that behind the scenes, the Fed is 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 doing their usual two mandates now, which is keep the, f- the interest rates low because the government's broke, and uh, keep the stock market up for the election. I think those are the two mandates. I know it's a little cynical, but I don't think I'm too far off. I don't. Uh, I, is that what's happening here? I mean, uh, I, and then and then you got to add in, uh, you know. If commodity prices are coming in, you know maybe um, somebody will be able to take credit for lower gas prices by the time November rolls around. Uh, right. Uh, and yesterday, every everybody was talking about that the uh, the Fed has been has been way too aggressive. Now, when we're seeing these prices are, are collapsing, they should just hold off, and maybe the next thing they should do is cut. Does anybody really <laughs> think that, does anybody really think that going forward a one and a half percent interest rate is anything healthy for anybody except for uh, a few people. No, and you know maybe it's that, that, that's just a silly idea <laughs> that it happened that you know that everything turned that quickly and and that it's time for the Fed to sit on the sidelines. They've got more work to do around all of this. We know that. Um, I do wonder if uh, what happened with commodity prices yesterday. I was kind of shocked to see that oil was under a hundred bucks. You know, I can't remember the last time that it had. You know, that, that we had seen a, a two-digit handle on on oil prices, but that was the kind of thing that you would expect uh, lower oil prices if there's a belief that we're going to go into a, a true recession in the next few months. So um, that was my initial thinking early on when I saw that commodities were not were were under a lot of pressure, and then you know stocks kind of rallied. Uh, you know, maybe maybe that is the thinking that the Fed's going to cut out what they're doing more quickly than they had than, than people had been anticipating um the i just maybe because i not only do i do i read this stuff more than i should but i surround myself with creatures like you and hal and uh so i mean i i, I love talking about and, and dealing with this economics and it just surprises me that i see people that were like paying to be in these positions and, and paying to watch my tv to be a certain extent it seems like they they have zero. You, you watch the uh, the rig count every month coming up mm-hmm. twenty five thirty thirty five, and you see, you know, um, I'm going to say knuckleheads 
saying that we need to go to Saudi Arabia and, and tell them, please, please produce more oil. Or we need to go to, there's, there's what, 21 or something oil-producing nations in the world? I mean, Russia is obviously a big one. Uh, mm-hmm. But but there's, do you, do you think when oil got to 125 hours a barrel, whatever we got, that every single person wasn't out there kicking the pump to get an extra an extra barrel oh, yeah. if they could. I mean, this is just the way, do you, do you have to, do you really have to go out to the farmer, buy him a beer and say, corn prices this year are going to be 15 bucks, would you please grow more? Do you, do you, do you really think you need to ask him? <laughs> I mean, what? No, you, you have, you know, you, you've had behavior changes. Yeah, I mean, we totally have behavior changes. If, you know, you, you think a little bit more about um, your, how you do your commute. Well, yeah. I had somebody. I had somebody tell me recently that uh, the metro they rode into the city was packed. I actually saw. I came out yeah. of the club last night. So I put that mm-hmm. in. I was over to a little body sculpting, Russell. I walked out. Mm-hmm. Actually, I actually had to wait for a whole bunch of people to go by me. They were walking to Rock Island. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it, it, we've reached a point where there there has actually been a behavior change. Um, I, I would agree. Yeah. Well, people go back, and, and it may, part of it might be a combination of um, less of a fear around, um, you know, COVID, um, which you know used to be a thing, I guess, and um, you know, saving money on, on not driving back and forth to the city. Well, I, I also and think, if that yeah, if you put put dollars down to it, if you're driving in from somewhere like Naperville, and for people that are not from the Chicago area, that's that's probably a good hour long drive back and forth. Um, Probably three or four gallons of gas at you know at five bucks a gallon. That's a twenty dollar round trip to get to and from work. Well, everybody, yeah, even you're talking about major, major changes, uh, yeah. people. But even even the little the little minor changes, you know, Russell. Mm-hmm. If you've got, you know, if you got the big honking pickup for driving around, you might have a little, you know, six cylinder, you know, Chevy, one of those things. Uh, the, the the smaller pickup and guess what mm-hmm. when you're just going to the store you say oh, I'll hop in this thing I mean it's it's pretty easy for everybody to shave a gallon or two a week you know what yeah. I'm talking about and, yeah. and normally you don't think about it but you yeah. actually do think about it well, plus you're my, pissed off at these I, guys I, I've used my younger sister my only sister um, who is a very different person than me she's very much a blue collar person. Um, and she called just, uh, I hear from her about once a month just to hear, you know, what's up. But then, of course, she did drop the, uh, what she wanted from me. But at the beginning of the conversation, uh, she was talking to, she asked me, you know, how, how much longer is it going to cost this much for me to get to and from work? Because I'm tired of paying this much for gas. <laughs> like, like, I'm an expert on it, and I know, but, um, I was like, yes, I understand. It's terrible. I don't know how long it's going to take. Yeah, well, that's getting better. Then she started telling me what she wanted to, what it out of me. Well, that's so it's hit, you know, it, it's hitting somebody that, that probably normally doesn't think about those things very much. Well, you know, uh, I, I would. Said, I, I probably should have should have dug a little bit more, but I like. Hey, are you doing anything different? Are you and your friends going? You know, are, are you sharing rides with people, et cetera, like that? But I didn't go that far, but it's definitely noticeable to her. Well, I would um, say this, uh, Russell. I mean, if you if I'm into the investigative world, like we don't seem to be here. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm absolutely convinced. Kevin, obviously, same way. And I can't believe he's he's dragging me into this, but he, I, I'm, I'm sort of willingly going. I'll tell you what. 
there's an awful lot of stuff going down here economically that I don't see what's going on. I mean, the idea that that, that, Euro- that Europe is now all over Amazon for the same kind of stuff that you and I have been talking about for five years. How they're, mm-hmm. how they're you know, the, the, if they have a, a, a retailer going through them that all of a sudden is popular, how they essentially try and market the product themselves through somebody else to compete with the guy and I mean, that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just, I mean, what are you doing? Uh, but, but Europe, now, mm-hmm. that has been happening here. You and I have talked about it. And yet, now, the, anyway, but the point being is, is uh, I would... I would have if I had boy. Nobody want me in the Oval Office because I'd be, I'd actually be making people do stuff. Nobody wants to do stuff. I'm I, I'm sitting here wondering why exactly now. The uh, I'll kick the oil page up here. Our Bob is now down to three thirty four. Now in most of my lifetime, and correct me here, Professor, the spread between our Bob and the and the the tank is, I'm going to say seventy five cents to maybe ninety, possibly a buck, in higher tax mm-hmm. areas, but. You know, maybe a buck. Why? And and I buy my gas, for, you know, out on Homer Glen every Sunday morning at seven o'clock, right? And they're usually very competitive. Matter of fact, you're you're out, you're out of Cook County, blah blah blah. Well, now, for the last four weeks, every one of the stations has been almost the exact same price, the exact same price that mm-hmm. normally compete. And now they're twenty to thirty percent cent more than some of the ones that I get coming back into the city. Now. I, I, I guess if 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 I'm in the Oval Office or someplace, I would want, and I have what fifteen thousand people or some massive number work for the Department of Energy. I'm going to call the guy up, just like you know, like you being a professor calling you. Hey, buddy, I put you in this job. All those people who work for you that I don't know what the hell they do. In two weeks, I want a full report on my desk of just where these prices got sticky, how they didn't come down, where are the bottlenecks, who's in charge. If somebody shut a, re- a, a key refiner, I want to know who the guy is. Is anybody even looking at any of this stuff, Russell? Or, or do we just pay people to do nothing? Uh, well, I, I, I don't think there's anybody directing that sort of uh, activity in our government right now. <laughs> um, I, I feel like I really don't like to dive too much into the politics, but if you had a boss that... that comes across like Joe Biden, and you could, you know, he just doesn't come across very well in public from day to day, and and looks like he's kind of getting up there. Uh, if you knew you were going to collect your paycheck, there were going to be no repercussions. You didn't have, um, you know, you didn't have a boss that was, was going to press on you at all, because they're not really capable of pressing on you at all. Wouldn't you just kind of, you know, show up half-assed for your job and collect your check? Well, I just, I'm curious as to what... I mean, I, I think that, I, I honestly, I think that's what, that's the tower federal government's being run right now. Well, your friend... It's, it's, being run, it's being run like a failing business with a, with a boss that nobody has any fear of, of upsetting. But this, this goes back... You, yeah, can't, you know what I'm saying? I do, but I can't, right. I, you can't yeah. blame this on, 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 old, on old Joe. I, uh, well, currently you can, but I just, I mean, from the... From the well, I, I think there's, a, there's, there's, what I just said is probably very uh, very prevalent in when you get a, a nice government job that um, you get your automatic ways and you know you, you the most important thing that you do is you make sure that you're just at your desk every day it's not necessarily what you do but my feeling is that's just gotten worse over the and maybe and, and that could be a function of COVID as well it could be a function of the, the you know the craziness that went along with the previous administration where maybe instead of now you're not really being told to do a whole lot, 
uh, previously you were being told to do something brand new every four days, you know, that, that never came to fruition. So, uh, you know, and, and it's possible, that it's very possible that the legions of people that have those types of jobs in Washington, D.C., um, that they're just ridiculously burned out. From uh, going from a really chaotic boss to a boss that they're not sure what they're supposed I don't, to do for. And then at the same time, the whole state of the world is a nightmare. I don't think uh, yep. we're, in, we're in maybe a little bit of a different pay. I, mean, I go back to uh, Jerry Ford time. Uh, I, mean, I remember mm-hmm. vaguely this stuff is maybe be, before, unfortunately before your time of hair but after the Arab oil embargo and all that stuff we decided we the country decided we needed a, a Department of Energy and mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know if Nixon did it or Ford did it I think Nixon might have done it and Nixon's out and Ford's in and I think Jerry Ford who I honestly think was probably he's my favorite president maybe because he didn't have to do all the crap you do to, to get elected and take money from people. But uh, they started this Department of Energy, and all of a sudden they're hiring hundreds and hundreds of people. And after mm-hmm. like a year or so, he looks at this, this this blossoming mushroom of creatures, and he goes, he came real close to just trying to sign an executive order disbanding the department. He goes, I don't know what these people are going to do all day. And neither do they. Yeah. And and I, I'll, I'll say, uh, your girlfriend... Uh, Christine Warren jammed through in the, in the Obama administration this consumer protection agency. And I remember reading somewhere where the first thing they did is they went out and they bought or at least all this space. They started hiring all, well, first you needed all these HR people to run the people because there was going to be 15,000 people or some massive number. And uh, it might not be that many, but it's a lot. Now you need HR people, you need desks, you need file cabinets, you need, even today's world, I guess you need file cabinets, you need computers. Uh, you need procedures. You know, you need employment procedures. What have those people done in, in the last seven years? Anything? I mean, collectively. I'm sure every one of them is a good person. They show up with the intention of doing something. What, what do they even do, Russell? I mean, what, how, the, how have they changed your and my life for the better? What, how do you, hear, do you hear about them doing anything? I, I'm sure they're nice people, but what are they there for? I, I have absolutely no answer to that. <laughs> I mean, and, and I think that's where you're going with it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we've got other than, uh, other than you know warm bodies that are getting a paycheck. You know, we've got. But so I, you know, and, and that, that's one of the what, what you started off with when you're talking about uh, new departments being created, and uh, Ford wanted to do away with one of them. Um, you know, it, it, unfortunately, it's very difficult to downsize government. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, even it, it, I mean, it, it could possibly be done. You know, if it, what, you know, it'd be a really smart thing to campaign on if if you were running for uh, president. Uh, if, if you're on the uh, the Republican side, which would be the ones that would probably press for these things, um, just say that uh, you're not gonna you know, you're not gonna push anybody out the door, uh, but as people retire, you're just not gonna replace them. Unless it can be justified to replace them, um, I'm going to say that out of all the people, I mean, that's, that's the only way that you're going to be able to to make things smaller. I'm going to say that, uh, and I, I'm just lobbing this off the top of my head, so don't don't even think that I actually researched this. Oh my! Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say that, a lot of holes in what I just said. I'm going to say that the percentage of government employees that actually vote are much higher than the general population. 
Oh, I'm sure. And if I'm that's sure. your, I mean, if you if you campaign in California with, I'm going to cut everybody's pension. How many people in California are, are either on one or going to get a pension? Half the that's, that's too much. I mean, a lot, yeah. a big chunk. I mean, what, you know, and what about Chicago? If you went against the teachers, firemen, and policemen, I mean, I mean, uh, I, I mean I'm not anti any of those people, but I mean, if mm-hmm. you say these. We're, we're gonna you're, you 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 might be able to retire at age fifty if you don't like the job anymore, but you're not getting a check till you're sixty five. I don't see how you win anything. How do you get? No, that's a, you know, honestly that that was part of the thinking behind what I just said was um, that you just say you know I'm not going to come in and cut anybody's job, but I'm not going to replace people uh, unless it can be justified. You know unless you, know, you really make a justification for replacing that person when they retire. Well, I mean, it's, it's that, that's the only way that you're going to shrink government because you're not going to be able to. Nobody's going to be able to get elected. But that's like that's said, and and I did have in the back of my mind that government employees are most likely, uh, more likely to vote than non-government employees. Okay, so what you what you yeah. just said, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm in, I'm in this. Well, you know, is is a trader because you trade. The first thing, whenever you say, "Gee, I like IBM," or whatever company you happen to like, or I don't like IBM. The, f- the first strategy you have, I mean, I'm probably mm-hmm. a little more disciplined on it than you because on the trading floor, you're used to getting trades you didn't want, right? Uh, the first thing you do is figure out, not the, I bought IBM, it's only going to go straight up because I'm the smartest guy on earth, and by the way, I buy a Russell's newsletter if you had one. Uh, that's not the way the world works. I mean, you, you, right. bought it, you bought it from somebody who thinks it's going the other way, right? They just might be smarter than you that day. Uh, well, most people don't realize that, but you and I, I think, do. So... The first thing you should think of whenever you, whenever you do anything is what's the worst that can happen if I do this? If I buy the cheaper roof and all of a sudden we have three four storms like the other night, does that mean I'm, I'm I got water on my head when I'm trying to sleep? I mean, every, whatever you do, there's 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 a, there's a reaction to it, right? It's almost right. Like, and uh, so when you when you when you talk about you know get if you all of a sudden let people just what, what's the term uh, when you don't when you don't fire anybody just let them. There's a term for that. Well, it's just attrition. Attrition. There you go. Uh, yes. Thank you. Well, you you could run the risk ten years from now of not having anybody in their twenties and everybody sitting there in their fifties and sixties can't wait till they retire, which you don't want to. Well, I did. I did say you really, you, every time somebody retires, you really got to justify um, replacing them. Well, I know I'm saying, but the first thing that be the last thing you want is what was it was like? The, actually, there were companies that were like that. That you know, that yeah. didn't, didn't hire any new. Yeah. Manufacturing engineers and hire any new welders, and all of a sudden, every welder is sixty years old, and they all retire. You don't have anybody. I mean, I mean, you sort of have to be careful that doesn't happen, right? Right. Right. What if you had a bunch? I, just, of I, I have a funny feeling that, that um, you know, at least through the first half of doing what I just said, that I think you're going to be okay. Well, or maybe you hire one person for every two retirees, or something. You know. You see, know, if you again, we we are we are three and a half minutes into a, a very important topic and figuring out how it's going to run. <laughs> well, you, <laughs> you know, I think after spending more time, we, we can come up with something a lot more logical than, than what I'm talking about right now. But I do, I do think the, the, the main point that I'm trying to make is the only way that you're going to be able to down, you're not going to be able to come in and uh, do like a public company and cut 10% of the workforce because they're not doing anything. Well, you could. Because they're not, they're not essential. How's that? You could, if you want to be a, a real, a real horse's ass, you could, yeah. you know, follow some police lieutenants around. who are supposed to be in the district. When they go home, you could fire them. Yeah. 
Well, nobody want that. I mean, I would. I wouldn't want no, to do that. No. But I mean, no, I just and I, I really, I just think the the only way that you could, I'm sure, if if there's a, uh, you know, that I'm sure if there were a president that came in and really wanted to, and this this is why I was kind of excited about, and boy, am I opening myself up here, but this is why I was kind of excited when when Trump got elected, because I, and this is before you know four years of uh, a lot of goofiness. But I was really excited to see a businessman run for president and get elected, thinking that government might be run a little bit more like a business and you know, might be streamlined a bit uh, and you know just might do a better all-around job, which God knows didn't come from anything. So we went from you know a wacko boss that you weren't really sure what you were supposed to be doing from day to day to to a, to probably a very hands-off boss. Either because he's been in DC for so long that you know, he doesn't, he, he's too old, he, he's been around too long to rock the boat, um, or you know he's just he's not really he's not the, the person that's running the country and leading everything right now. Well, the, it's a it's people, it's kind of like Reagan in his last couple of years. There are other people that are really running what's going on. Why is it that you and I are uh, agreeing on this? The I was. I never, well, first of all, personally, I never liked the guy because I, uh, Trump. I mean, Trump? Yeah, I mean, I just thought he was such a... Oh, so in, you know. in, in, just, and this is not a partisan thing on my part. It, it really, because I, ex- I was excited when Howard Schultz, who then Starbucks, yeah. was going to run, uh, you know, started, looked like he was going to run for president. And he, he went around, and at the first two or three speeches, uh, he just got eviscerated by people that said he was going to split the vote you know, and, yeah. and mess up the vote to where Trump was going to get reelected. You know, well, the Democrats were absolutely up in arms about this guy. I was thrilled when, when you know, I was hoping that he would run and maybe a couple of other, um, not, not you know, Elon Musk or Bezos or any of those guys, but people that have really, uh, not celebrity CEOs, but regular CEOs that have done a very good job with the company. Um, I do think that's what it's going to take to, to really write things is get non-lifelong government folks into the White House. And right now, we've got lifelong government folks in the White House. Well, I was, <laughs> like, I, I, you know, I was, I couldn't stand him yeah. personally. I was ecstatic yeah. with a with a Trump-like person getting in, somebody from the outside. Mm-hmm. I was, but that his narcissism and his inability to work with anybody. Killed his ability to do anything, and I. Yeah, and I, I, and I, I really didn't think I, I had no clue how bad that was going to be. Well, here's what I would I would say that instead of, yeah. I mean, but but he's he he likes his face on TV. Now this is this is what I would do. Now of course you know I'll never get the chance, nor do I want the chance. Here's what I would do. His message always got messed up because he'd get in front of the, the press, he'd stumble around, wander off on some tangent, and then he'd act like an idiot uh, answering questions because he really didn't know that much of what he, what he was trying to accomplish, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I think what you would need to do is follow the, the boy, the two people, I'm going to put them in the same sentence, but the two of the most successful politicians, not people, uh, in, in virtually the last century and a half were uh, Roosevelt and Hitler. And both did the same thing. They put themselves on radio with a 10-minute speech very well prepared, very direct, mm-hmm. telling people, this is what I'm going to do and why. I'm not talking about 
the, 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 the Hitler we all came to know. I'm talking about Hitler the politician, very, very similar to Roosevelt mm-hmm. in his approach. You don't let your, your message get messed up by a bunch of screaming people asking you, asking you stupid questions. You may be afterward, but you've got, you've got to give your message out here. Here's what I'm going to do and why. And here's my opposition. But I also think the guy from Starbucks, if, if we, I mean, I'm getting slow, but if we ever decided we wanted to do something like that, it would be at least eight years in the making. And you need three, oh, yeah. you need three yeah, or four senators. I mean, you need three yeah, or four I mean, senators. Well, we're in several times. But I'm saying you need three yeah. or four senators. You need 15 or 20 uh, congressmen to be running with you. So when you show up, other people have to listen to you. And if the, the senator from somewhere says, you'll be out of here in four years, you say, you know, we just won four Senate seats. Yours might be next. You better, you better play ball. But it's all about power. It's not about, it's not about getting, it, yeah. the main. The main job is um, to get reelected. What's all? And my, my my oldest daughter is interested in politics, not to run, but more uh, to, to go into the journalism side of things. And um, some state rep or something like that spoke to the uh, politics club, political club at her high school, and um, at the end he. I, I forgot what he asked them to do, but he basically asked them uh, to, to write emails that were kind of endorsing or backing him cool. after they had told them everything they were interested in. So, well, you know, if you guys could, if you kids could do this, it'd be great. And she said, it, she she kind of thought it through, and she was talking to me about it. And she goes, how, how does this, he didn't really respond to anything we asked, and, and how does this help us? What is, you know, what, why does he want us to do this? And I was like, honey, all the guy wanted out of you guys was a way that he could use you to, to get reelected. Oh, got you. Yeah, and, and it was kind of, it was unfair. You know, you hate to have that conversation with a you know sixteen year old son, um, and and make them cynical. But you know, they've got to know some reality as well. Russell, uh, we got to go to break <laughs> here, but got to break. But if, if you lived on the south side, she'd already know that at sixteen. <laughs> Of course you would. As if you just down 40, be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. 
We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-349. That's 708-349-3456 or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. I did not know that. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everyone. Thanks, Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howell. Futures down 9, Nasdaq down 9, Nasdaq futures down 32, uh, Dow futures down 67. Or in Europe, we've got these guys, uh, they're, they're going up because they were down yesterday when, and then we, we came up after them, so this is a catch up here. DAX up 143, 1.1%, FTSE down 108, 1.5, CAC around up 86, 1.5. Bonds, uh, 10 year down to 2.76, it's down 5 basis points. Uh, far cry from the almost 4% it got to. Blend uh, 1.09 when it got up to 1.68, so that's a lot. Japan's still where they always are, 0.25 or thereabouts. Asia, selling off here. Nikkei down 315, 1.2%. Shanghai down 48, uh, 1.4%. Hang Seng down 266, 1.2%. Hang Seng stuck in this middle 21,000. They were 29,000 earlier, well, a year ago. Yesterday, Dow, st- Dow ended up down 129, but it was down over 600, so that was a big comeback there. S&P up 6, I'm thinking they were down 40-ish, maybe 50. Uh, NASDAQ down 194, they were down over 200, so it was a 400-point swing there. Uh, oil, up a buck, back over 100 bucks, $100.50. Brent up a dollar 84, 104.61. Natural gas up 8 cents, 560. Way, way down from the 930, I'm going to say, where are we? July, I'm going to say maybe late May. Our Bob up 3 cents, 336. Gold, can't get out of its own way, down 340. 1760 silver down four up five cents 1917 copper up a penny 342 all these stocks uh freeport all these stocks in these areas the gold miners all these people have gotten gotten pummeled uh we've got bitcoin down 222 but still hanging perilously above 20,000 at 20,109 there was another bankruptcy in one of the smaller ones this morning i don't even know who these smaller ones are but they're, they're dropping like flies a little bit here but bitcoin is hanging above 20,000 which is 
kind of where you need it. If it drops to 15, 14, I think there's there's margin loan problems. Uh, Matt, what do you have for us? Trevi Weather Sports. Cubs won, by the way. Cubs Good won. morning. Yes, let's get let's get that clear on my part. The Cubs uh, they did win. Uh, they, uh, it's currently 7:35 a.m. on Wednesday, July 6, 2022. Uh, in MLB, yes, the Cubs did win. I, uh, I was a bit of a, a boy who cried wolf there. Uh, I could have sworn. I, I feel like it's the uh, chief. You ever hear the Mandala effect? I've heard of it. Yeah, it, I'm getting sort of that feeling, you know, or or it's just in, in, uh, incompetency on on my part. Uh, well, you I don't, don't watch him. You don't watch him. You watch <laughs> that, him. That, you that's that's a part of it. That, yeah. that that is the part of it. Uh, so yeah, Cubs away in Milwaukee. Uh, they win against the Brewers, eight to three. I previously had that at eight to eleven. I don't know where I got that from, uh, but anyway, on uh, on to more uh, uh, Chicago uh, baseball. Uh, White Sox back at home against the Twins. The Twins win. Uh, that's eight to two. Diamondbacks win against the Giants. Uh, back home. 622. Now for weather in Chicago. Currently it's rainy. Uh, wet roads, so watch out for that. Uh, wet roads is not a cousin of Russell, just to be clear. Uh, later on in the day, thunderstorms in the area, as well as tonight. Uh, currently 72 degrees, a high of 82, and a low of 70. In Phoenix, clear skies, 83 degrees, a high of 106, and a low of 81. Now for traffic in Chicago. Light traffic eastbound the Eisenhower between Laramie Avenue and 9th Avenue. As well as that light traffic eastbound on the Eisenhower between uh, the ramp at Highway 45 all the way to downtown. Traffic eastbound on the Edens between Tui Avenue onto the ramp uh, that leads to the Kennedy. Traffic eastbound on the Kennedy between Cumberland Avenue and North Kedzie Avenue. Uh, traffic westbound on the Kennedy between Laramie Avenue and Harlem Avenue. Traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan between West Garfield Boulevard and the Jane Byrne Interchange. Traffic northbound on Stevenson between Illinois Route 171 and South Kedzie Avenue. Uh, it's caused by an accident before Cicero Avenue at exit 20, uh, 286. As well as that, traffic northbound on Lakeshore, Lakeshore uh, between East Grand Avenue and North Michigan Avenue. Uh, keep in mind, uh, the Taste of Chicago is being set up in the loop right now. Uh, so closure on Columbus Drive between uh, Valbo and Monroe Drive. That's all we got, Chief. Back to you. Um, this time the truth. i turn back if I were you. Well, real quick, I, I know I hijack you every once in a while, but while we're talking about government, just while we're talking about government employees, has this Christopher Cavelli guy not been one of the most impressive people you've ever seen? And he's the spokesman for the Lake County um, Sheriff's Office. He's the one that has had to, you know, got yanked away from his Fourth of July celebrations, and you know has. Looks like he hasn't gotten any sleep in the last couple of days, but has just been a, just anything. He's just been so professional and so impressive. Well, as they poured in every new toy from uh, all the the every every agency that had no part of this, as Kevin and I mm-hmm. talked about earlier. I think those people up there did an unbelievable job, and I the, and my yeah. hat is off to the to the regular patrolman that spotted the car and caught the guy. Just a guy doing his regular yeah. job without being in front of a mic, without being anywhere. I think we, there are incredibly, uh, there are, I mean, you, you can, and I, I try once in a while to, well, to tell everybody where, where my heart really is on this. I mean, I, I can bitch about the CTA wasting money, okay, but mm-hmm. I know that 90% of the people are driving the bus, doing a very good job, driving the train. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. no question across that the board. across the yeah, board. It's not every single government employee. No, no. Yeah. That, that's the thing. 90% of them do what they're supposed to do. The other 10%, God knows what they do. I mean, you know, I, yeah. you know that's, 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 the whole, that's the whole shtick. I mean, but I, I, I just have these, these gross concerns that, 
how do you have how many bazillion people in the antitrust department, and yet every antitrust case seems to be in Europe? I mean, we can't we can't go against yeah. Amazon. I mean, there's 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 some there's there's like a, we have these people there. Look at all these people working. Well, what are they doing? They haven't had a case in five years. I mean, you mm-hmm. it, it depends on which level you look at, right, Russell? I remember reading yeah, reading yeah. something way way back in the day, and I somebody did a deep dive. I think it was a professor actually did a deep dive in one of the government agencies. I, I think it had to be in the agriculture department where they went out and. He had, uh, he, they went to various dairy farms and, and dairies and things like that, and they talk about how much, how many inspections you had to have, okay, and, and, and to do with the mm-hmm. job, right? How many were designed to do? And inevitably, and then the guy went to like two or three other, you know, areas like that. He said inevitably, if you if you talk to the person who ran the dairy inspections, all he's going to do about is bitch about the amount or he doesn't have enough budget. I mean, every time the SEC makes a complete fool out of the agency, they go in front of Congress, and if they only had more money, right? And this guy basically did a, a big deep dive into the whole mess. He was like uh, the guy who did the Civil War stuff. Uh, uh, and I was saying, he goes, you have 10 people on staff. Okay, now, if you actually were going to go inspect every farm and every dairy or whatever the hell you had to do, the schedule you were supposed to keep, you needed... 20 people and you only got 10 okay so so that that's a problem and in a normal day a person can do average one or two inspections depending on how big the farm is or whatever he said so you would think that you would be that the 10 people you did have would give you uh you know or 15 20 inspections a week or i mean what's 10 times 5 50 inspections a week 50 to 75 because in fact you're getting ten. So yes, if you're going to do the job properly, and had twenty people really hustling, doing what they're supposed to do, that's what you need. And you only have ten. But instead of only getting halfway there, you're actually fifteen percent of the way there because the people you got aren't doing anything either. And, it, and that's the part that I always that I've, I've, I think this guy's research hasn't wherever this is years and years ago hasn't gotten any better. I mean, if you look at the Antitrust department, you'd say, okay, well, if 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 you wanted them to prosecute every case you and I pop up at, being Amazon, Microsoft, they don't have enough people. Okay, that's probably yeah. very true. But you look at what they are doing, you say you got way too many people for what you are doing. So you you can come to like two conclusions, right, on the same topic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it, it, when you mentioned the really big companies that you mentioned, that's the other thing is how many how many um, companies. Uh, write checks to enough politicians that they're, they're kind of untouchable by the regulators unless they do something that's just absolutely horrible. I don't think in today's world, you know? when you when you and I were Utes, uh, mm-hmm. we were Utes at the same time, but pretty close, when you and I were Utes, the thought of, a, of, a, of, of, of Senator Simon or Stevenson or Adley Dirksen, I honestly believe that about these people, the thought of them calling up a regulatory agency and saying lay off these people because they're deep, I think that happens all the time now. Oh, I'm sure it does. I mean, some, through some... I'm absolutely certain it does. It says, you know, if um, you know, this XYZ company is based in Chicago, uh, if, if all of a sudden you know, there, there's a little smoke and the regulators are looking at them, I'm sure that, that you know, 
one or two of the senators from Illinois and whoever represent, you know, maybe more than one Chicago area representative uh, will say, you know, you got you got to lay off these guys to death. Well, but the, the, I'm, absolutely, I'm absolutely certain of that. Yeah. Well, you're far enough away. I'm going to ask any, I'll just maybe some uh, generic comments on your part because I'm far enough away from the SIBO and all the people that I knew there who actually were, were and it, I I don't think the SIBO was ever crooked. I think. No, I, no, and, and I know where you're going with this, and, and I'll, I'll take it so that I don't get myself in trouble. Uh, no, I'm just saying. <laughs> there, but, there, was, there was one big topic that comes up periodically, uh, which is uh, the tax, uh, how, um, how the derivative markets are taxed, or how the things that trade at SIBO are taxed. Uh, along with, um, you know, can can people trade options in their IRA and not have them, you know, have them tax? A lot of the individual option trading goes on in IRAs because uh, the tax the tax situation gets a little too complex for people. And every three or four years, uh, when they're talking about changes taxes around, they do bring up doing away with that exemption. And CBO will send a handful of people, the whole option industry will send a handful of people to testify before Congress and explain why you should allow people to use risk management tools in their personal IRA account. Uh, and, you know, and it goes around. And some of those guys will come, will come and visit some of the exchanges. And in response to them visiting the exchanges and hearing their side of the story, they'll get, you know, not a substantial check, but a decent-sized check. Uh, you know, it makes it definitely worthwhile for them to have shown up. Uh, if you know, I, I think if CBO didn't go through that effort, um, and, which involves getting the uh, you know getting some of the elected officials on their side to to back them in case things get too close to hurting their business, um, you know, I think that that's kind of a kind of what we're talking about right now. Is well, that you have elected officials that are going to. Yeah, but either have a good understanding, which is the way that I believe it works with SIBO, but if it's not necessarily understanding that the regulatory changes actually would be bad for a lot of people, just bad for a company, um, I think you know, that's what they're using their um, their folks in BC for. Well, I've been off the. But I don't think I don't think the financial exchanges in Chicago, when they would push back against the the one big issue that would come up periodically, I think they logically. I think there was a justified argument there, and it's not just because it's my industry. Uh, well, but I think there are other companies that want to continue doing um, things that aren't good for, for everybody involved, and they use the checkbook to make sure they can keep doing what they're doing. Well, Russell, in, th- in those days, I mean, my day, when I was on, I was on the board mm-hmm. from 92 to 98, so when we had people, when I, was, I went to all these breakfasts, I mean, because uh, uh, mm-hmm. I always wanted to meet, you know, Tom Foley was there, we had uh, Dan uh, Rastankowski, I mean, these are people. We had a chance to go meet the guy and talk to them. Why wouldn't you want to meet him, right? I mean, for God's sake. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I, I I think in those days, the max SIBO could give them was I'm gonna. I think it might have started out at five hundred. It might have gone to a. It's like a thousand bucks. It's not a lot of money. Is it, I mean, what's it up to now? Two maybe? Or it's really, It's not a big dollar amount. I, I I can't remember exactly what it was, but my understanding was it was under a thousand. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was five hundred. Right? Yeah. Now, I, I thought it went to a thousand, yeah. but I could be wrong. But where, where I was going with this is when you talk about enforcement and big versus small. I don't think that. Uh, I mean, I, I I think. I mean, I like Duke pretty much, but I always thought Chuck Henry was one of the nicest, smartest, best executives I think I ever came across. I mean, I really, really like mm-hmm. Chuck, and I don't think there was a 
a crooked bone in that man's body. And uh, yet, you had members, member firms on the board, and the people that always pushed the envelope. I think one of the biggest, basically bleep ups in the, in the in the CBOEs, Amex, all their people's view of the world, is they've they've on the on the futures side. I'll back up here a little bit. On the future side of the world, your corn and your soybeans, the Board of Trade always felt that that was their product, their rules, and the firms that brought it there were their distribution system. And they treated them as such. The CBOE, on the other hand, were locked into this old boy, Merrill Lynch, blah, 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 Smith Barney. They really thought, they, they confused, in my mind, the distribution system with the customer. They really thought that the Smith Barney... Merrill Lynch, in the way the regulatory people set it up, they screwed it up in such a bad way that they actually did become the customer, which I think was a really bad thing for the industry. But that's a, that's a whole conversation. But these people were sitting on the board with you. And everybody knew that if there was some shenanigans going on on the floor, the only people that could really pull it off were one of the big firms. You know, if they crossed an order mm-hmm. and said, we're not going to do it at 3 eighths, we're going to do it at a half. And by the way, we'll, we want half of it, and we'll split the rest up with you guys if you, if you shut up and don't complain. Uh, that happened, didn't happen so much in the OEX where I was because it was too competitive, but it happened all over the place. I mean, I'm not saying every second, but it happened. Now, if you were in regu- regulation and you took it upon yourself and you actually, and sometimes there was a complaint, not very often because we knew these, the big firms were above complaint, but if you actually took that once in a while, somebody be an ass in one of the crowds in, in their mind, the, the, uh, the distribution system's mind, and actually would make a complaint. Well, if you took it upon yourself in regulation without any direction whatsoever to follow up five or six of these, interview somebody and drop them on, on Chuck's desk and say, looks to me like uh, uh, Smith Barney or Goldman Sachs or somebody should get, should get suspended for two days and spanked on, 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 on the main street, I, I don't know where that report would go, Russell. I mean, just everybody, everybody knew you just didn't do that, right? Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a... I mean, there's a I mean, it, it's amazing in one of these places, and I'm saying this is a very straight place. If you, you you lick your finger and put it up, you're like the guy in Casablanca. The wind, the political winds are blowing from Vichy. You knew right what you were supposed to do, and now there was never a word, you know, spoken about it. Right? You just knew. Mm-hmm. Everybody just knew. You, you, didn't, you didn't show up at a board meeting and insult the hell out of the Goldman Sachs guy as much as maybe he deserved it, you know, or the Morgan Stanley guy. I mean, you just didn't do it. Yeah. And, no, it, it was a, a great. It, it was a great self-regulating environment. Yeah, but I mean, we all knew the people who were above regulation, right? Yeah. Unfortunately. And we we see that, I mean, I'm leading into it, we don't have that much time, but have you been listening to any of uh, my discussions with Hal the last few weeks? I mean, he is, he, uh, he, I'm going to say that, I said this yesterday, so I'm repeating, I honestly believe, uh, Russell, due to what I did at Pullman and my studies with at the University of Chicago at the time when this inflation was right with us and everything, I'm probably as reasonable an expert on the first era of inflation as there was. I mean, there's people who know a lot more than me, but I'm probably pretty well up there. I don't understand this one at all. And Hal is trying to help me out with this. The idea that the first time through, there, there never were any negative interest rates. So mm-hmm. so your mom and dad could go down the block and get 12% when the inflation was 10 and they were ahead of the game. They never, they never right. really got hurt. I mean, you got hurt if you didn't have any money, and if you rent it, okay, or something like that. Uh, yeah, you got hurt, and if you had to wait to, to buy something, um, and you got hurt if you got 
you know, uh, maybe your your raises just sort of kept up with inflation, and you did bracket creep on your income tax. But this time, I mean, how is he's almost? I don't know if he's going to write a write something on it or whatever. But he goes this idea of this negative interest rates for such a long period of time for a small class of society when the other people don't get it. He goes, it's it's like the most major wealth disruption he's ever seen. That if if, that if you can if somebody and when the inflation rate's 10% and, and a certain group of people can borrow a two or three, they will jam the prices of assets of basically everybody else's asked to worry, only they can afford them, and you get to a point where you, you never come back. Because that's what we're doing. This idea of negative interest rates, because it would be different if you and I could go borrow there, but we can't. Only some people can. And, 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 <coughs> and uh, he goes, this is, and, and uh, you see this, he goes, these people have figured this out. Maybe they didn't figure it out going in, but they sure figured it out now. They don't want you and I on the same interest rate page as they are. They want this Fed with this one and a half percent rate. They want banks getting getting money at one percent and charging you twenty four on your credit card, and then charging you ten percent on a on a on, a, on a, a loan for your your plumber's van. He goes, this this is out of control on a worldwide stage. And he goes, you you know more what he's talking about than I do. I'm 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 trying to follow it every week. I'm learning a little more, but. He's saying this is this is totally off the chart nuts. Well, I can totally. I hadn't thought of it from that angle, but I can totally see that. I, now you have me digging in academic papers to see if anybody's addressed this before. Um, but yeah, that could, I, I never really thought about it before. But in I think what he's getting at is uh, the continued um, wealth gap between the lowest end and the high, you know, and the very high end. Uh, the interest rate environment could totally have could could maybe one of the prime reasons that that continues to happen. And it's not, yeah, it's not that all these rich guys are you know super evil or anything else. It's just that the system is now set up that it favors them so much that the wealth gap is going to continue to widen. But he he he's goes he goes further though, Russell. This is the part. I mean, that, there's got to be there's got to be a paper somewhere that you're going to write. Or, he's saying that if somebody can borrow it too. And the price of inflation is eight, you're, or, or the inflation is ten. You're guaranteeing that it keeps going, because people will always be willing to pay more for stuff, because they're getting it's it's always positive. Well, yeah, it's always absolutely. positive to them, even though you you and I can never catch up. I mean, we'll never be able to bail the Broncos at five billion dollars, because because we don't. You could say it's there's either no implied interest, or if you had to borrow it, you can just get it for nothing. Where the guy should be paying. Seven or eight percent, and should be writing out a three hundred fifty million dollar check every year on, on January first, and he's not doing it. And Mahal's saying that this is the, the people have figured this out now. That's why they want these rates. I mean, even if inflation comes down a little bit, which I think it probably will, if it comes down to eight, they they want to be able to borrow at one and a half when the inflation's eight. There's there's, there's, a, there's an amazing profit opportunity there for some people, but not everybody. And it'll, it'll keep the yeah, inflation. No, you're, 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 you're making that. Uh, what happens is you, you, you say so many things that you've got all these different things. I've got multiple hamsters on the wheel in my brain right yeah. now. Uh, <laughs> well, but I said, I, but I did, I did say. Yeah, I just, I had not thought about, really, I had not thought about low interest rates contributing to the, the, the disparity in wealth. I really never thought of that before. Well, I, I, I'm hoping. That makes a lot of sense. What I'm hoping is. I'm going to get an email from you saying somebody spotted this two years ago, and here's an amazing paper written by somebody at University of Wyoming or someplace, and we can all learn from it. Because I think Hal is really onto something, and I cannot, 
I cannot put my hands around the whole thing, but I'm there's. Well, I do know this: there is a massive difference between. I actually think the inflation, but we haven't gone through it before. Inflation in the last year and a half or two years has been way worse than anything than the late seventies or eighties. Way worse. I mean, not even close. I mean, you didn't see used cars double back in those days. You didn't see. Well, you know, you didn't see any of that kind of stuff happen. It's, the the average person, this this is um, this is steroids of what happened during the eighties. But I cannot put my hand, my finger on. The, the Fed is coming out there and say, "Well, these rates should be going up, but they're not. We're going to slam more money into it." The people who get the money, hell, saying, "Turn around and drive it even further." They're the drivers. So the inflation yeah. is actually way so worse. You know, you know what? If somebody would give me, because I have a couple of systematic approaches to trade the market, and um, just like really small things that I do periodically, and if somebody were to give me a no interest loan for a couple of years, um, I'd be all over that. Yeah. Yeah. If, if they just, yeah, if somebody would just give me, um, you know, well, heck, if somebody gave me a no interest loan, I'd probably just put it in the CD and make the spread. Well, that's because you're like you're like me. Because you'll say, "Well, I'm just going to buy the top on the market. I'll be the last guy to get this loan, and then it's going to go down." It's the first thing. Or you'd be you'd be like Dr. J and me. you ever heard the phrase that if you can't figure out who the sucker at the table is, you're the sucker? Yeah, and I would tell you a quick story. I've never figured out who the other side. I finally figured out this week. I think I've been the sucker my whole career. I know I have. I'm, I'm, because I've been a believer in people, now I'm, I'm really turning the other way. One well, I, I, I feel like I, I, I see, uh, you know, well, go ahead and tell me what I'm well, going to say. <laughs> way, way back <laughs> in the day. When, when I that, think people do similar things to what I do that um, generate a lot of revenue for themselves, and I just kind of do what I do and daughter along and, and don't think about the money as much as I probably should. Well, one, one day, Dr. and I, Jay and I were doing the shows back when we were on the score, right? And if, uh-huh. everybody knows we do the show from 5 to 6 at that time. And of course, the phone's ringing. So I said to John, I go, take it, put your, you know, press the, the cough button and, and take the call. With some guy mm-hmm. with, with an IPO that says he's going to let us in, and the IPO is going to go out on New York Stock Exchange and whatever, 8 30 that morning, and we can get in at the take, the takeover price. So John's talking to the guy, and he's getting kind of excited. And when he goes, I'll call you back. And he puts down the phone. <laughs> he goes, they, they say we can get into this IPO at the IPO price. I go, Chad, have we ever gotten in one before? <laughs> he goes, yeah, if, he if, goes, if they're calling an hour and a half or <laughs> two hours before the market opens and they've still got stock that they can allocate to people, that's not a good IPO. Oh, yeah. And he goes, yeah. he says, so what are you saying? I said, Chad, how far on the list do you think our names are? <laughs> he goes, pretty damn far. Maybe we should pass this one up. <laughs> Like, if they if they found us, I mean, yeah. I mean, how many other people do you think they went through before they, they before they found us two schlumps? And that, that one so bad. In in the IPO world back in the day that you're talking about, um, you know, your best client, you, all the, the sell side would give the best IPO to the best client. Uh, and sometimes if they had trouble placing one, they'd say, you know, we'll. If you can take this one, it's not going to do so well. We promise we'll give you the next hot one, or you owe us one for that last one. Uh, that one was probably so bad that they couldn't even uh, pawn it off with a promise of a good one next time around. Yeah, it's like it's like listening yeah, to somebody I, saying, "You know, don't worry, you get this round, I'll catch you next time." <laughs> right? That, that, that is that's desperation on the sell side. For we got to place this thing now. We're going to get stuck with it. 
Who can we figure with? Well, these guys are paying half attention. They're on the radio right now. Let's call them. Oh, yeah, but it's, it's always too <laughs> schmoes. <laughs> so are you, are you here or are you in Indiana? I am here, but I will be in France next week. Really? Well, I'll be calling in in the evening. And if I'm going to a major academic conference, and I've got the schedule printed out where I was going to look at what I'm going to, um, you know, it, it, what I want to go see, and I'm going to look for anything on wealth disparity. Um, so if we were to get you a, like a really nice Stacks and Jack polo shirt and hat, would you wear it? Uh, yeah. You know, I, I've never gotten swag. What about the Stacks and Jack's thong? What about the thong? You doing the thong? The thong? I'm, I'm wearing one right now. And oh, nothing God. else. Oh, my God. And somebody just called the police. I, 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 would, I would be a bit surprised. I hope the police <laughs> show up with a shotgun. <laughs> Some bird sh- what, they used to use bird shot or something? That's, anyway, take care Take care of yourself, bud. Have a nice trip. SB Futures down street. Okay. If you're down a buck and a half, we've come back to almost flat. I'll uh, be back tomorrow. Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Here's the thing. If you can't spot the sucker, in your first half hour at the table, then you are the sucker.